0: I want to start today with our memory verse of the month. We've been working through Micah 6, verse 8. And so I'd like you to recite with me Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 8. I want to tell you about a man, a man named Demas. Have you ever heard of Demas? Demas only shows up three times in the Bible. That's three more times than you and I. But Demas shows up three times in the Bible. In Colossians 4, verse 14, we hear the name Demas mentioned alongside spiritual giants like Luke, His name again shows up in Philemon, verse 24. Based on these passages, it's reasonable to conclude Demas was somebody who worked with the Apostle Paul pretty closely, somebody who was counted worthy to be mentioned in the end of Paul's letters. So what happened to this man who was counted worthy to be named in Colossians and Philemon? Philemon. Well, in our Bibles, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. As Paul writes to Pastor Timothy, probably right before he's executed, right before, as tradition holds, he's beheaded. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. In my opinion, one of the saddest passages in all of scripture. Here's what Paul writes. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. The apostle Paul writes, Demas... Because he loved the world, being in love with the world, Demas has forsaken me. This man who was counted worthy to be named alongside Luke, this man who accompanied, accompanied me as I wrote the letter to Colossians, as I wrote the letter to Philemon, being in love with the world has abandoned me, has forsaken me, has gone away. I can't tell you exactly why Demas left other than what it says right here in this passage. He was in love with the world. He was distracted by the world. What I can tell you is that plenty of Christian potential has been lost to distraction. Plenty of Christian potential has been lost to distraction. Now, I don't want to stand up here and tell you all of the bad stories over the past two decades of Christian potential that's been distracted by the world. It doesn't take much to find it yourself. What instead I want to do is I want to take you to Luke chapter 10. Because I want us to learn the danger of distraction. Or, more positively, The importance of focus, the value that we need to place on focus, on being focused on the right thing. Luke chapter 10 comes up shortly, shortly after Peter's great confession that Jesus is the Messiah. It comes after Jesus has predicted his death. It comes after the transfiguration. It comes after Jesus sent out 70 followers. It comes as Jesus is in the midst of ministry. In the middle of his ministry, we get to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Follow along as I read this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus, in the midst of memory, in the midst of ministry, makes a stop. He stops at the house of Mary and Martha. And at this house, in this short passage, we learn what I think is one of the most important lessons we can learn about disciplined life. Focus. Focus matters. As we seek to live a disciplined life, a life lived for Christ, we must keep our focus. One of the things that uh, when I taught at the university was interesting is my office actually overlooked Memorial Stadium or kind of looked through the bleachers so I could see Memorial Stadium. One of the things that I would notice when they were practicing is they would blare music, they would blare audience noise, through all of the loudspeakers. Why? So that the players could learn focus. In the midst of a disciplined life, as you are trying to perform at your top, at your peak, you must maintain focus. So let's look at what this passage has for us. The first thing that I want to point out to you is that there are many good things that you can do. Actually, there are more good things you could do in this life than you will ever have time for. There are more good things you can do in this life than you will ever have the resources for. There are many good things that can be done. Working a job to provide for your family is a good thing. It is. That's a good thing to do. Serving others in our community its a good thing. Teaching a Sunday school class or leading a small group Bible study, that's a good thing. Serving in a ministry here at the church, that's a good thing. The good things that we can do can fill your lifetime. I want you to really understand that. The good things that you can do can fill your lifetime. In fact, in verse 38, what we see Martha doing is serving Jesus. Martha did some important good things for Jesus. The things Martha were doing were good things. Actually, if you look through the passage and look at some of the things Jesus had said, in chapter 10 even, in verses 5 and 7, Jesus had told his disciples, go to houses where they are hospitable. Don't waste your time in houses that want nothing to do with you. Rather, go to places that are hospitable. Hospitality is a good thing. Actually, if if you want to go further in backwards, in Luke 7, one of the things that Jesus had accused the Pharisees of was failing to be hospitable. And the sinful woman in verses 36 through 50 who washed Jesus' feet was being hospitable. Jesus emphasizes that hospitality matters. It's a good thing, it's important. Actually, it's commanded of Christians in Romans 12, 13, and 1 Peter 4, 9. Hospitality is a requirement for somebody who wants to serve as elder or pastor of a church in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 2. I want you to understand that hospitality really did matter. What Martha was doing was good. It was important. Martha is not wasting time, but she is distracted. See, the problem was that in the midst of doing something good, Martha became distracted. In the midst of the good, Martha became distracted. And Jesus reprimands her. Luke especially reprimands her, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations. In the midst of doing something good, Martha became distracted. This is something that I guess it hits home for me because Emily and I enjoy hosting things at our house, and Emily and I oftentimes go a little bit overboard because we want it to be nice and hospitable, and it's easy. become distracted doing hospitality, to try to make it perfect, things that nobody else notices, in order to feel like you're being hospitable. The problem that Martha had was not that she tried to do something good. The problem that Martha had was not that she was busy. The problem Martha had was that she was distracted. See, this is just like how sin works. Sin takes something good and twists it just a little bit. And it becomes bad. This is the same technique that Satan used to trick Adam and Eve in the garden. Took God's words and twisted them just a little. And all of a sudden, it was sinful. The problem was that Martha lost her focus. See, there are many good things that you can do, but there is only one best thing. And Jesus is the one and only best thing. Jesus, the one and only best thing. I want to take just a quick detour for a second here and take you on a tour of passages so that you can be convinced that Jesus is uniquely the best thing. You see, in the book of Luke, Luke has already shown us that Jesus is special. Jesus is special. Let me start with the first pass here, passage here. This is Luke chapter 9 verses 18 and 20. Let's read that. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, "Who do crowds say I am?" They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered God's Messiah, God's Messiah, God's anointed one. The word Christos in Greek, that we get Christ, that we get Messiah means anointed one, the one that God has chosen. Jesus is the anointed one, as Peter proclaimed. Moving on to verse 35 there in Luke chapter 9. On the mountain, we read, a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Jesus is uniquely the chosen son of God the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen son of God. Still further in chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus speaking, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus is uniquely the Lord of the harvest, the one who brings in the harvest. He's the fulfillment of God's plan, God's plan of redemption. Look at Luke 10, verse 24. For I tell you, the many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. All of the Old Testament looks forward to Jesus. He is the unique fulfillment of God's plan. The prophets and kings of Israel looked for the coming of Jesus. He is the perfect teacher. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, we see Jesus using a parable to explain one of the hardest concepts for the Jews to understand. Jesus was special, is special. He is God's Messiah. He is the chosen son of God the Lord of the harvest, the fulfillment of God's plan, the great teacher. All of that precedes this story, this pericope. Mary and Martha have Jesus in their house. And what is Martha doing? Serving. That's a good thing, right? But what is she missing out on? the best thing, which was Jesus. You see, in, back in uh, Luke chapter 10, in verse 42, what I'm reminded of is that Jesus is essential. There is lots of good things, lots of good things. But Jesus is essential. We have a, a tendency to do a lot, you don't believe me, look at your calendar for next week. Okay. It's full, right? But how much on your calendar next week is actually necessary? How much is actually necessary? And then let me go even further. How much is essential? See, we think that there's a lot of things that are essential. We think there's a lot of things that are necessary. The fact is that only Jesus is essential, and much of what we think of as necessary isn't even necessary. See, as hard as it might be to admit, your job actually can be replaced. You could get a different job, okay? Someone else can serve in the area that you're serving. It can be done, You can eat something different this week if you need to. What we think of as necessary and essential aren't. Yes, our schedules are full, but we need to take stock and understand that they're full of good things. I'm not saying that these things aren't good things. You're doing lots of good things. But are they taking the place of what is necessary? Are they taking the place of what is essential? Doesn't mean I want you to stop serving. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I think that the rest of the ministry staff would be quite upset with me if I asked you to stop doing that. But if you come to me and you tell me that you need to take a break from serving in a ministry so that you can focus on your relationship with Jesus, I'm going to tell you good. And I'm going to hold you accountable to it. But I want you to understand Martha's problem was not that she wasn't doing good things, Martha's problem was that she had lost her focus on that which is essential. Your ministry area will survive if you have to take a break. Actually, let me go a little bit deeper. Your kids and family will survive if you have to skip a practice. Your kids and family will survive if you skip going out to eat so that you can save a little money so you don't have to work overtime this week. They'll survive. Actually, they might do better. We build up a culture where we think serving has to come first. Family has to come first. No, it's not entirely wrong. Jesus comes first. That's really, really important. Remember, how does Satan get at us? He takes something good and he twists it. Is family important? Yes. Is family first? No. Church important? Yes. Church first? No. Jesus is the only thing that's actually essential. There's an interesting dynamic with words going on here. Notice how Martha addresses Jesus. In verse 40, Lord, Lord, don't you care? Here's the irony. There's one person that calls Jesus Lord in this story, and there's one person that treats Jesus as Lord in this story, and they're not the same person. Martha called Jesus Lord, Mary treated Jesus as Lord. And that's what we can walk away with, is this recognition that Jesus is essential. He is the only, the one and only best thing. We have to understand how countercultural this would have been, what Jesus is saying. You see, in a traditional Jewish home, men and women did not even hang out together inside the house they, they would have the women's area of the house the men's area of the house you want to know when the women cross into the men's area of the house to serve the men that's how a traditional jewish house worked. what do we see here we see that mary is defying all tradition to sit at jesus's feet the culture of the world would have said mary you're wrong You're in the wrong room. You're not serving. You're missing it out. Mary, you are messing up big time. And Jesus says, no. In fact, Mary is right because Mary recognizes what is truly essential. So let me give you a a set of questions or actions to the question, how can I make the best thing my thing? If Jesus is what's essential, how do I make Jesus my thing? First of all, we need to recognize who Jesus actually is by getting to know him. We need to get to know Jesus. We must take time to recognize Jesus, not just as good, not just as a teacher, not just as a good man, but as God himself become man to live a perfect life, to redeem us from our sin by paying the penalty for sin on the cross. How in the world are we going to get to where we can recognize Jesus, recognize him for who he is? By being in his word. By spending time with him in prayer. I challenge you, how often are you replacing time in God's word or time in prayer with something that's merely good? Think about it for a second. Are you in God's word? Are you spending time in prayer? Or are you distracted by good things? We must make Jesus essential. We already talked through who Jesus is. We went through some of those passages in Luke. Jesus is so uniquely special. He's beyond our comprehension. Let's make him our priority. Second action step that I have for you. Recognize that Jesus is essential by finding your complete fulfillment in him. Recognize Jesus is essential by finding your fulfillment in him. There are lots and lots and lots of areas of life where we seek to find fulfillment. We look for fulfillment in relationships with others. We look for fulfillment in jobs. We look for fulfillment in our children. We look for fulfillment in our accomplishments. Jesus needs to be our source of fulfillment. I'm going to tell you, story, period of time that I would say was the absolute hardest period of time in my life. God asked me a question at this time. He said, if I take away everything in which you have found your fulfillment, am I still your God? Let me walk you through the events. Uh, All in a very short period of time. We learned Emily and I learned that we would be incapable of having children. We had been trying to have children for a number of years um, before we even moved to Nebraska. And we learned that that would not happen, that we would be incapable of having children. Shortly thereafter, um, I was looking at a new job in ministry and I uh, told the university that I was going to be going down to part-time and leaving my job at the university in the long run. Uh, They told me that that's fine, I could go part-time, but I wouldn't be uh, able to get early promotion. Said, that's fine, I'm going to take this new job. The job fell through. Um, A couple weeks later, my dad suddenly died. person I would have thought or called my best friend, I talked to him at least every other day, suddenly died. As I picked up the pieces of my life, no children, job I had hoped for, My dad suddenly died. One question. He said, I want to know, if I take away everything you value, am I still your God? To be able to say yes. And today, guess what? I have more that I would call kids than I ever dreamed of having. Many of them are today with us in this room. And the job that I dreamed it for, I got something even better than that. But it was only after I was willing to tell Jesus, yes, you are the one that's essential. Yes, you will be my priority. I now recognize my focus must always be on you. My final action step. Treat Jesus as Lord by simply sitting at his feet and learning from him take the word of god sit at the feet of jesus and let him teach you as he taught mary i've told a few of you um one of my goals is to translate the new testament myself and i'm almost done Uh, i've got matthew and part of acts left to go But I was translating a couple weeks ago uh, the end of Luke. I was translating Luke 23, 43. Um, You might recognize it. This is the passage where Jesus says, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Okay, As he's about to die on the cross, talking with the thieves, truly today you will be with me in paradise. And in the Greek word order, shows emphasis because in the Greek you've got endings of words that show how they function in a sentence so you don't need word order. So you can move words around and still get the same meaning but you can add emphasis. In the Greek it actually sounds more like Yoda speak to me because this is what Jesus says, truly to you I say today with me you will be in paradise. With me, you will be in paradise. Heaven is kind of irrelevant. It's going to be a cool place, sure. But more important is we'll be with Jesus. And that is the essential part. We will be with Jesus. So, my conclusion for you. Don't be keep your focus on Jesus. Put your focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. One of the cool things that we get to do is we have various invitations and various things that we get to announce. And uh, it's cool that it fits today because as we talk about focus, putting our focus on the right things on Jesus emphasizing the right things, making sure that we are right in our relationships. I want to invite Trevor and Brianna to come up. They're going to talk with us about uh, an opportunity for many.
1: Morning. I'm Brianna, Trevor. Um, this is applicable, I suppose. We've been married 14 years. Uh, we have four kids, nine, eight, four, three. Um, 8, we, we just really felt... Um, a need and a desire to create a place of support and encouragement um, because we're all trying as parents to raise up our kids in the way that they should go, and um, that's not something to be taken lightly, and that is definitely not easy. Um, So uh, a strong marriage is also so important for that. Um, If this doesn't work, then the whole household crumbles, right? Um, So we primarily um, also feel led to have couples gather, get get dates like whoa what is that dates three nights a month whoa um so we have a couple things that we want to offer that sort of encourage both of those things parenting how to do that together and um strong marriage and this is where i say
2: last night my son came in the house and he was so excited he's eight years old and he said mom I was able to cast with the spinning reel today for the first time. Can I get a new pole? And he said, I also took my first fish off today. Well, she was. my wife said, that's so cool. And I guess he went to bed. It was late. My wife had stayed home. She had put the kids to bed before we got home she sat on the couch with me we were too tired to do anything else and she looked me in the eyes and she said thank you for everything you do for our family and i thought wow i gotta go fishing (laughs) and i just said you're welcome (laughs) but parenting is a tireless task and it's exhausting and We need breaks. Some of us have the resources for babysitters or have family. Some of us don't. We need breaks. They say that marriage satisfaction plummets when you have kids, and this is where we see higher divorce rates. We need our church to come around the parents to help the marriages be strong, as this is the covenant between us and God. And so this is what that Friday night is for. Hopefully we can make marriage stronger so that we can be more awesome parents during the week when we're too tired to hardly look each other in the face. Our, this morning, 6.45, I woke up, not to an alarm, but 35 pounds of weight came slamming onto my rib cage <laughs> as my four-year-old thought I was a trampoline. It was a wonderful wake-up call. She smiled and said, Dad, it's time to get up. (laughs) Parenting is painful. (laughs) But we can come together on Sundays, learn skills to make it less painful, and grow together as parents. And I hope that you'll join us, whether you're parents or not on Sundays. It's a fun and a great opportunity to learn more.
1: Yeah. So two things, the Sunday school class and then the, the Friday night dates. So those are the two things. If you're interested, come talk to us because that's what we feel so excited about. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. So the
0: two things that they've mentioned, uh, the Friday nights, uh, they're putting together a co-op, if you will, of uh, families that uh, – You trade off so that if one family takes care of all of the kids, then the other three families can go and have a date night, and then you would get three date nights a month and uh, one night of having to watch a bunch of kids and having a fun time with that as well. Um, We're also so that's on normal months on months or yeah months with five Fridays in them. We're going to do at the church a uh, a large group sort of watching the kids so that any of the parents, whether or not you're participating in that program, you can still have a date night with your spouse on months with five. So if you're interested in doing the three date nights a month, one night watching kids, please talk with Trevor and Brianna and get signed up for that. The other thing that they're offering is a Sunday school. um, I'm going to call it more of a discussion group. uh, Opportunity to sit and talk about parenting. And that will start in June meeting in the nook. So um, talk with them if you want to be part of that as well. But some really cool things to help you put your focus on your marriage because that matters. As we look to Christ, Christ cares about our marriages a lot more than maybe we realize. And so it's an opportunity to put our focus there. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for Jesus. I thank you that our fulfillment can come from Jesus. That he is uniquely enough. That he satisfies our needs and that we can learn at his feet. I pray that as a church, we would individually put the focus, where the focus belongs, that we would reject the distractions that can so easily overwhelm. Distractions by good things. Things that keep us out of your word. that keep us from prayer. Father, help us to make you our priority. To make you our focus. Help us to be committed to that type of relationship with you.